Welcome to the Black on Black Education Podcast, where we interview the most brilliant minds and connected hearts to discuss our shared passion for the transformation. The re- hello, hello. Welcome back to the Black on Black Education Podcast. Today, you're going to be hearing a conversation between myself, founder of Black on Black Education, Eva Loren Jean Charles, my father and co-founder, Jamal Thomas, and Miss Ashley Tucker, social emotional learning enthusiast, education leadership student, and founder and creator of Teachers Pay Black Teachers. We talked social and emotional learning, students with disabilities, and our freedom dreams for the education system at large. This was a good one. So sit back, get a snack, and enjoy the rest of the episode. Hello, hello, welcome back to another episode of the Black on Black Education Podcast. I start the same every time. Our guest is going to tell us who they are, what they do, and why they do it. Hi, thank you for having me on Black on Black Ed. My name is Ashley Tucker. I'm a dean at a special education high school here in Brooklyn, New York. I am a special education teacher teaching a social and emotional learning course that I wrote myself. I'm also a grad student at Teachers College in their leadership program called Summer Principals Academy. I am the founder of Teachers Pay Black Teachers, sharing anti-racist and trauma-informed resources and also building a website to connect and amplify the work of Black, Indigenous, and people of color experts, entrepreneurs, and professionals. I do the work I do so that students feel seen. Um, Growing up, I didn't have a lot of uh, representation in my own educational experiences, and I know how it feels to feel othered in those spaces. And as a special educator, I want to work over time to make sure my students feel supported um, and don't let their disability or even manifestations of that disability stop them from building healthy relationships and realizing their full potential. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, So I was going to go into you as a special education teacher first, but it's not possible. We got to go say black teachers first and how that was started, how that was developed um, and just kind of tell that story because it was so impactful uh, when, when I heard it. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Um, It was really something I stumbled into. I'm not a tech person. I'm not an entrepreneur or I wasn't before. Um, And I had just really casually posted some lessons that I had had some success with in the classroom on teachers, paid teachers in a moment where I had some extra time. Um, And I had posted a lesson about Trayvon Martin, one on Tamir Rice, one about Michael Brown. Um, And I noticed during Black History Month, during February, the resources I had shared, another one on Malcolm X, um, had gotten some more hits. And I really didn't think anything of it, but I made a note, okay, more resources are bought on Teachers Pay Black Teachers of this type during Black History Month. Forgot about it again. Um, And then the murder of George Floyd happened. And again, I noticed a trend. People are buying these resources at a higher rate during this time. Um, But I got another email stating that my lessons were being made inactive um, because of maybe inappropriate content and they would be reviewed by Teachers Pay Teachers Integrity Team and they would let me know the results of their investigation. Um, So I was really like caught off guard by the experience, obviously. And I 
I took to Twitter and um, I saw um, a response to one of my tweets from a white person who said, oh, dear, Ashley, I fear it was me that may have made your lessons um, inactive. A group of me and my friends reported all social justice lessons on Teachers Pay Teachers because we were worried about in the wake of George Floyd being murdered, people would try to capitalize off that. And we just want to make sure everything was okay. So we reported all the lessons we could find on social justice topics. And she said, I have a meeting with the CEO of Teachers Pay Teachers tomorrow, and I can talk to them for you and see if maybe they'll reinstate your lessons for you. And the whole experience just kind of turned me off. And then I had the support of other educators on Twitter saying, start your own, start your own, start your own. Um, Dr. Christopher Childs, um, a black man who's really known, especially for math instruction and also in the way he amplifies black women and black women educators. He reached out to me, set up a Zoom call with me and strong, like I never met him before, didn't know him. And he strongly encouraged me. This is an opportunity in education. They are going to be calling on us. This is not just a moment. We're going to be needed. This is the time. Start your own. Let me know if you need any help. And just having that support encouraged me and I moved forward. Um, another thing that kind of accelerated the process, and let me know if you have any questions or anything, was a reporter from Education Week reaching out to me. And she wrote an article called Teachers Pay Teachers has a new anti-racist initiative, but they still have racist content on their site. Because in their haste to make my lessons inactive, a lot of people had pointed out how they still had a slave escape room lesson on Teachers Pay Teachers, and they also had another lesson that glorified slavery and asked students to ask why a slave that was emancipated might miss slavery as an assignment. Um, so I interviewed with her. I also shared with her that I was starting Teachers Pay Black Teachers. And over time, that article has kind of been my accountability system because I put it out into the world that I was starting it. So even being busy with graduate school and with, with teaching and being the dean of the school, it's just kind of helped me stay accountable that I, I made this announcement to the world and I will make it happen. I love it. I absolutely love it. <laughs> so that's kind of what happened with that. <laughs> that's yep. where we are. So sometimes our biggest challenges are the things that, you know, bring us to the places that we that we need to go. And, you know, I was able to, to take a look at the article um, earlier today and Eva had kind of mentioned it to me. But just, you know, from Eva mentioned it to me, to the article, to hearing you tell it like it, it's it's. You know, you, you, you understand that, you know, you're on to something and, and, you know, unfortunately you're onto it as a result of, you know, the, the tomfoolery, but um, <laughs> you're onto it. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you. Another part of that, uh, of the aspect of teachers pay black teachers is to ensure that black, indigenous and people of color, educators and professionals that were paid for our work. Um, because teachers pay teachers, they did reach out to me. We had a couple meetings, and in the second meeting, it felt more like consultation almost. And I, I was like kind of turned off by that experience too. Moving forward, I want to provide a platform to connect us and make sure that we're called upon and compensated and cited as well. Absolutely. So, <laughs> I mean, it's so true, right? Like yeah. they will be real quick to, to pay a hundred thousand dollars to a Robin D'Angelo, but then like, they're just, they're just picking your brain. 
Right, right. And it's kind of like, wait, what? Because <laughs> like, when I think of what I said in that meeting, suddenly that's all up in the anti-racist initiative. And I didn't get no money for that. That's, that seems real confusing to me. The pencils so, were moving. <laughs> right? <laughs> and so it's so, it's so important. That's such an important piece of this whole conversation. But I want to know a little bit more about like how your educational trajectory has led you here. Because in our, in our previous conversations, it's just so clear when you talk about it or, or look at it from hindsight. But please walk people through that story of like your path to teaching the crazy week that it was and like what got you here to a place where you're creating lessons that are that are about um, black people that have lost their lives to this terrible system and then teachers paying black teachers like please just connect it around for folks. Okay, definitely. So there, there are a couple of very strong connections. And the more I kind of progress in my career, the more it's clear that there were signs and connections and certain people in front of me and experiences, whether positive or negative, that have brought me to this place. I'm originally from Charleston, South Carolina. And as a child, I had the part, I had the the opportunity to participate um, with Wings for Girls, which was a premier social and emotional learning organization at the time. They were doing SEL, everything, every, you know, the thing everyone's calling on right now, SEL, SEL. They were doing that back in the 90s. It was called that then. It was a tool then, and they were teaching it to girls. Um, so participating in that program and, you know, doing breakout sessions. Uh, one of the times we, after the summer camp was over, they took us to see Mulan. Mulan was like a new movie at the time in 1998. And they rented out the theater for all the girls that attended the summer camp. And then after the movie, we had a, a a breakout discussion about stereotypes and women mm. putting themselves in cages, how, you know, we, we, we discussed the movie. This was like such an engaging lesson. I can't believe I had the, the opportunity to participate in something like that. We also had a breakout session at Lowe's at Home Improvement Store, and they gave us all our own toolbox, our, our own tools and wood and nails, and they asked us to build a toolbox. And they talked to us about how women and girls are capable and strong. And then we all built our own toolboxes. We decorated them, and it kind of broke those barriers around tools and, and building things as girls. And I still have my toolbox. <laughs> that was like 20, 22 years ago ago and I still have mine. Um, and then fast forward to, no, I want to, no, I'm, I want to stay in my childhood. I want to stay, stay in the 90s and the 2000s for a little bit longer, actually. Um, so my mom, single mom, she worked hard. You know, education was everything. Education was everything. Private schools, you got to go to the best schools. And even if you're in those best schools, which which they boast the most opportunities, but there's no representation. There's no celebration. I would come home and my mom would always ask me, were you the only one? Were you the only one again? And I'd say, yep, I was, I was the only one. And we used, to go to we used to go to museums that glorified slavery, that glorified the Civil War. Charleston has a, a deep history. Um, we used to go to plantations, Middleton Place, Charlestown Landing, this plantation and that plantation. Those were our field trips. We would see the slave quarters. That's the type of opportunities I was getting as a child. Um, so fast forward to after college, I returned to Wings, which is now an after school program as a director. 
teaching social and emotional learning skills to students, but also helping my college student staff facilitate those learning experiences around social and emotional learning. Then I wanted to be a teacher, you know, being in a school, I wanted to become a teacher. I did the teaching fellows. I moved to New York where my sister was already living. And as a teacher and dean, I provide the exact opposite of what I got. My presence in the school is already the first step in making a difference. The students see me, they see me in my role, they see me leading, and they look up to me. I have the opportunity to take them on field trips that are not on a plantation (laughs) um, to the African American History Museum in D.C. Some of those students had not left Brooklyn for um, for the first time, and that trip gave them the opportunity to do that. Going to Broadway shows, you know, going to Harlem, the Schomburg Center for Black History and Culture, marching with Black Lives Matter. It couldn't be more opposite from what I received as a child. And I just Mm -hmm. think about what I needed. I needed me. I needed to eat lunch with me. I needed someone who saw me. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to create what should exist for our students. Um, And that's kind of my path. It's what drives me. And everything just makes so much sense. So as I'm doing that unlearning myself, I'm able to provide better opportunities for my students. You just, you just said uh, you know, one of my favorite favorite words, and and our camp folks are from uh, Charleston as well. So you know, oh, we, we, yeah, we family. Okay, But unlearning. Um, to talk, mm-hmm. talk to us about that. You know, like w- w- what are the things that um, that you feel like you've had to unlearn, um, and how exactly are you are you applying that to to how you're assisting the kids today? Definitely, a lot of what comes up is around colorism, or as mm-hmm. a dark skin person, uh, the way people refer to skin color, the way people compare skin color to food and inanimate objects, the way people are making jokes and things like that. I remember going to camp as a kid and a camp counselor, and they were well-meaning. They took me aside and they said, even though you're dark skin, don't let anybody call you ugly. But in saying that, they called me ugly, you know, so (laughs) you're pretty for a dark skinned girl and all these things. And I remember just even as a kid feeling like white people's lives were easier. It Uh felt like like, are their lives easier. Do they just like have more? They're happier. They're just what? What's going on? And so a lot of unlearning around that Um, and just in realizing like it's not all the way it seems. Um, and I think there's a lot of work with the messaging that we need to do. We need to like, we need to work on the messaging that we're putting out for kids. They're picking up on way more than we realize, even if we're just joking around, even if it's on Instagram, even if it's just in a show. Um, so a lot of unlearning around, uh, colorism, beauty, um, access and why the disparities in access exist. Is it because, you know, people are inherently different? and uh, don't have the capability of, of, of accessing these types of things or attaining them? Or is it a structural and purposeful, um, you know, marginalization that's, that's going on? And so I think in, in educating myself, I'm also unlearning, um, you know, things that were kind of, kind of put on me as a kid. Yeah. And I think it's important, you know. Yeah, it's. it's yeah. I think we've asked that question before on the podcast, and it's. I, it, 
the depth at which different people, you know, look at it, you know, kind of never ceases to amaze me. I, I haven't heard it explained quite the way you just did. And it just, mm-hmm. you know, it adds to the color. And, um, yeah. and uh, thank you for that. No problem. I mean, that's the goal of this podcast, right? To like continue to get into the nitty gritty and like have different perspectives because every episode, like, you know how many times we talked about CRP? Like, so, and we still have people who are like, I want to come on and talk about CRP. And we're like, come on, because it's such a nuanced conversation in totality. And it's so important to, to check in with them. So, I want to talk a little bit more about what you're doing currently. Like, okay. like what, what's happening right now? Oh, there's a lot that's yeah. happening right now. Um, yeah. So one thing that is really important to me right now is that I'm a candidate at the Summer Principals Academy at Teachers College, and that's a leadership program. I'm studying educational leadership and administration. Um, And in this program, I've had the opportunity to take a course on adult learning and learning about andragogy and the science of how adults learn and how adults can transform themselves into self-directed learners and how you can kind of motivate staff. There's intentional decisions that you can make to help and drive adult learners and motivate them. I had a course about decision making and the desi- the science behind decision making and how you weigh pros and cons to make the decision that benefits everyone. Um, but the most important thing, we're, the work that we're doing is that we're designing our own school. That's the capstone. You design a school from scratch with a team of six people. And in that, we're like reimagining, you know, and, and being able to innovate what school looks like. And for me in this, I'm realizing how limited my thinking is. I have to almost make sure that I don't, I have to dream beyond what I've seen before Um, and realizing how we limit ourselves with this idea of schooling. And then we kind of recreate the same things over and over again, and we put a different name on it. So being careful not to do that. Um, And then my leadership in the school, I'm training a team of, um, facilitators in school. I'm, uh, I'm, tra- I'm training a team of facilitators. I do a weekly assembly where we, you know, do community building and a talent show and we do gratitude share outs and I'm building a website <laughs> as well. I do, I do a lot. I'm tired. You know what? <laughs> um, no, <laughs> um, I'm building teachers pay blackteachers.com, which will feature um, like bios, hyperlinks and, um, you know, headshots of those experts and professionals I referenced before. It'll have a, a platform where you can share resources or also um, get resources from other people with a donation based type of aspect to that. Um, and then also I'm working with my friend who's a graphic designer to um, create culturally affirming images. A lot of times when I'm making my lessons, I Google black teenagers or I'm trying to find different things and there's mug shots coming up and there's all these negative images coming up. And I really just want to build um, these images so that we can pull from them and have images that are, you know, body positive, culturally affirming and in every way. Um, And I'm also in a meditation teacher training so that I can um, guide meditations for others, whether they're students, parents, other educators. And I'm interested in doing like a daily meditation um, in the future. 
for, for everybody who wants to hop on same time every day type of feel. Um, so I'm just really, I guess to summarize, I'm looking for ways um, to bring the social and emotional aspects, mindfulness and leadership all together. And more and more, I had never anticipated I would start my own thing. I wouldn't, I never saw myself doing that. Like, oh, ideally I'll be a teacher, then I'll be an assistant principal maybe, and then who knows what's next. But now I'm really realizing that we have to create what should exist. And there may not be a position that exists in any organization that's going to look exactly what I want it to look like, and I may have to make that for myself. The, the, the interesting thing is, 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 is back to how each thing connects to the other. So um, you, you're building a school, you know, at, uh, you know, at, at Teachers College while you were going towards, you know, kind of leadership. And related mm -hmm. to that, we, we do have to get on the calendar when you can come back and kind of walk through the school because we, we love that question of, you know, what would a super school look like? And I'm sure that's what you guys are, you know, in the, yep. in the process of, uh, of building. Um, but the various different things that you're going to need to do um, to build teachers, playback teachers is the same thing you would need to do to, to, to build said school. Um, and it sounds like there's a business in that in, in, in the uh, in the in the uh, images of, of, of representation. Um, mm -hmm. And a lot of that just comes from a place of, you know, this person is not treating me right. And so I got to go and, you know, do, do things um, on my own. So we, we, we yeah, we, we'll, we'll keep celebrating that. We'll keep celebrating that. Definitely. Well, it's been a, it's really been a transformative experience because I these are new ideas for me. And I want to make sure I say that because I think sometimes we all, we all have these masks on and it looks like everyone's doing it. And why didn't you, but it's like, no, this is new for me. I'm doing my best. I hadn't considered it before, but I'm going for it. Um, and I, I think it's important to be transparent in that way. Um, but it's funny how things come together and and things that you experienced before, whether positive or negative, are preparing you and, they're right. and they connect. And I'm welcoming all these signs right now that affirm that you're doing that. And they say that you're doing the right thing. Keep going. Keep doing what you're doing. You're prepared for this. You were prepared for this when you didn't even know you were prepared for this. Right. Um, and uh, that's what I need to do for the, for my students and for, and for myself. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about? Can you talk a little bit about the teaching adults and the classes that you're taking there? Um, and what what are the what are the similarities with pedagogy? What are the differences? And how does one help you do the other better? Wow, I think that's a really great question because a big focus in, in the beginning of the course was what is the difference between pedagogy and andragogy? And what we found was like we pushed back on some of the research because you don't stop being a kid at 18. It's like, well, what is that age then where you would switch and now it's not pedagogy, it's andragogy. Um, but I think there's some consistencies there. Um, and they, they shared like simple things like adults want to know what they're about to learn, tell them why what they're about to learn is going to help them make their lives easier or save them some time. Another strategy I learned was showing people what they don't know, showing them a video of a curriculum in action or a strategy in action that they don't know how to do. Now you've piqued their curiosity and they may engage in self-directed learning or they may be more engaged in the professional development. So sometimes showing people what they don't know or how much there is to learn. 
um, praise, you know, it's like, a, it's a, well, there's a lot of commonalities there. Praise, you know, positive reinforcements. Even one class, we talked about having some refreshments, you know, for adult learners and things like that. Um, and then allowing adults in your organization to, to do what they love to do the same way you bring your student interests and preference into it. That was also um, a strategy, letting adults engage with what they're interested in, what they feel like they're good at, providing them opportunities for leadership. So there's a lot of commonalities there. Um, I think for me and working with adults in the school, I, I've had a lot of success there. A lot of people come to me and trust me in the school. And I think it's because I'm able to connect with their experience with the feeling behind, you know, wanting to do more for students and not knowing how to, or even just being frustrated with things not going your way, I, I connect with that feeling and I understand it. Offering solutions, following up, you know, just making a note to yourself to just ask them, how did it go? Makes so much of a difference. Um, and I've had people come back to me and say, I tried what you said, Miss Tucker, and it worked. Um, so I think, you know, those things um, definitely pay a part in it, but it's not easy. You know, it's not easy to motivate adult learners. Like someone told me they did a training for adults and zero people turned their camera on and they felt like they were only talking to, you know, they were they were talking to themselves. Um, but I think there are ways to connect and also just being real, you know, uh, being authentic, finding opportunities for joy and connection. I'm like listing all these off and I'm like, yep. It's like teaching. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing, <laughs> but a, a little different. Being and being respectful of adults' time, I think that's important too. Um, and then how? Let's con connect it back. What, what else did you want me to connect it back to? I'm sorry. Um, no, it, it was just. I'll give you kind of where where the the heart of the question. Um, okay. So so the heart of it is 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 we kind of think about education from the perspective of um, look. Kids need to learn, adults need to learn, our communities need to learn. And what what, what are the future um, institutions look like that allow a circular, intergenerational, connected learning environment where everybody develops this love of learning forever and ever and ever. And it's not this, we go K through 12 and now we're finished kind of um, kind of thing. So uh, just, just really trying to understand, I guess the more the better I understand um, the difference between adults and and and, and child, children's learning. You know, maybe there's some things that that will help adults better teach children, and then things that will allow adults to take a seat back as a part of their unlearning process. They can also learn from uh, from from young people. Definitely, and I think what it reminds me of what I want to go back to is allowing opportunities to shine. You know, in certain lessons, different students shine a little more brightly. Like this lesson, you know, Matt might really shine, but in this other lesson, this is a Swanee's thing. You know, and I think it's the same way for adults. We're all searching for purpose. We're all searching for meaning. And how can we connect our intrinsic talents and what we we know and about ourselves and what we love about ourselves to something that the world needs. The world needs so much. And I think if we do that for students, like creating real opportunities for learning, 
like meaningful ones because you need this information and the world needs your input on this topic, that's true learning. And I think it's the same way for adults. You give them the opportunity to bring what's amazing about them into the classroom and into the schools, and they're going to want to do more and bridge the gap. What do I need to learn to bring this to life? What application do I need to learn to bring this to my students? And that's when we all get those opportunities to shine. And for so long, only certain kids shine, whether it was the light-skinned kids or whether it was the kids that were at the top of the class or the students that were the most well-behaved. And we really have to do a better job of bringing our intrinsic talents out and serving others with them. Oh, I love that. I love that. And it connects so well to one of the questions I was going to ask you. So in our pre-call, we always talk before the podcast episode. And you said this quote has been like, it's stuck with me. Um, You said schools operate as if students and their needs are inconvenient. And I think that connects so well to what you just said. Um, And so I want you to just talk a little bit more about that and what like in the school that you're building, um, in the in the in the classes that you're taking, in the way that you you operate in your current role and in in the head of in the head of teachers, play black teachers. How does that like, quote, fundamentally connect to, to this conversation? Mm, schools operate as if students and their needs are inconvenient. When I first, when I first think of that quote in my experiences in schools, I think a lot about behavioral issues. Honestly, I'm the dean. I support with conflict resolution and crisis intervention, and it's almost like we don't have time to talk through this big issue. You know what I mean? Even if it involves four or five students, you might have to really go figure out, get to the bottom of it. Where was that misunderstanding? And a lot of teachers are saying. I don't have time to do that. I have to do this, this, and this. And that may be true. There may be a lot of expectations on teachers where it feels like there's not time to do that. But that is the work. That work is in righting those wrongs, you know, teaching restorative practices, teaching students how to cope and de-escalate. And sometimes that takes time. So in a school I'm designing or a school that I'm leading, I feel educators understand that that's the work. And they're not like, I don't have time to do this. I got to go do my work. And it's like, no, this is the work. That's what I always tell people when they're like, I'm like, no, we're doing the work. This is the work. Sit, We're going to sit with this. Because whether it takes an hour for this student to deescalate, you know, we were there. We supported them. It, It may take 45 minutes next time. They may take something from this experience that, you know, they can use next time. Um, And I think that's a major reason is redefining what work is and what the important work to do is. So important. So important. Um, I'm just connecting back to like my my own schooling and then my trajectory through being educated. So like even Mm -hmm. in college, thinking about the classes that like made sense to me or that I wanted to go to or I was excited about, like those were all the classes that Yes, we on the syllabus, it says today we're supposed to be doing this, but this reading is engaging them and they are being able to make real world connections. So like we need to sit in this for mm-hmm. another weeks if necessary. Um, that, that, like you said, that's the work. It's saying like, yeah, yeah, the marking period ends at X, Y, and Z, but like I'm pushing back the grades for everyone because this conflict needs to be resolved in order for our school culture to kind of move forward. I really, really love that. Um, And so it brings me to my question of like, other than that, 
um, in particular? What are those constraints that are happening in the public education system that are causing harm to students? And just talk a little bit about like, what are the solutions that you've seen or that you think still need to be created um, to those constraints? Okay, I think sometimes Eurocentric values makes it so we um, are overemphasizing perfectionism, punctuality, um, and just compliance. And I think that's a big constraint of the public education system is that the the litigious nature of it. You know, how much can we really do? How much? What do we legally have to do? Well, what about this? Some of the things that we legally have to do aren't what's best for students and aren't what's best for organizations and teachers. Um, So I think that's the problem with it is that it's like very legal. It's like you can't see the kid on the weekend or you can't do this or you're not supposed to mention this and all these things. And it's like, okay, but... I really do need to connect on this deeper level. I really do need to be able to talk about this or address this in in my curriculum. Um, You know, I really do think these supports exist or it should be easier to change this mandate. It should be easier to transfer this student to a setting that's more supportive for them. And there's so much red tape uh, and these, these, these things that are not important are overemphasized and it feels like you can't do anything about it. And, you know, public school teachers are concerned about their pension. They're concerned about their livelihood and they have every reason to be. Yes, you want to be an advocate and yes, you want to be revolutionary, but you have to pay your bills. You may have already put time and years into this system and you're not sure how you can push back and make meaningful change. And I think those are some of the constraints. And I'm not really sure how we mitigate that. But I I think it takes a collective voice. I mean, in New York City, we have a new chancellor, the first black woman. I don't know what, you know, what changes that could bring about. But I think collective voice and and showing, I mean, maybe data, this isn't the best strategy and and seeing how far we can push those changes. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's uh, speaking of the new chancellor in New York, you know, today, she already has said, like, you know, I, I can't do that's something about everything. Like, you know what I mean? She, she has her constraints um, that relate to, to what you're, uh, you know, to, to, to what you're alluding to. Um, and, you know, I, I could, I'm probably, you know, like beyond an optimist. And, you know, while I go back and forth, um, I think that the, the conversation is being had and, it, and it's being had um, in a way where people say they're not going to take it anymore. Um, and, and I just hope they mean it, you know, like that, that, that we, you know, where, where, um, where certain things are just no longer going to be, you know, okay. And we just have, because of social media, because of podcasts, because of, you know, if, if there's a particular story that illustrates any of those, uh, that, that red tape that you talk about, it's never been a chance for it to, you know, go all the way across the country and be identified as ridiculous um, as it is in, in the past. And so now yeah. places, uh, for instance, the, the, the school in Texas, it relates the school in Texas who thought, you know, it was okay to not teach black history. Like they got shamed and said, okay, okay, okay. Like we, we're not going to not do that anymore. So the, those same types of things I believe will, will, uh, you know, will continue to occur. And, um, and, I wind up saying this every podcast. This the system is going to change because the system has to change. Like there's literally no other choice if if we're gonna function as a human society. Like it can't keep going on like this. So um 
So I love got, your optimism. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, it could, it could be contagious. But you know, I, I don't see what you see every day. So you know, it, it, it's I'm it, I'm it's it is. I recognize that it's it's a luxury, um, you know, to to, to have because, because I mean I do. Eva comes. We talk every day, so I I, I get um I, I get I get some. <laughs> It's shifting, right? Like, um, right in June, um, there was a conversation between Goldie Muhammad, Bettina Love, and Dr. Dina Simmons, all doctors, Dr. Goldie Muhammad, Dr. Love. And um, they, they had a great conversation that abolitionists teaching in the future of our schools. But one thing that really resonated with me that Dr. Love said was, before the pandemic, all the technology was locked up, you know, standardized testing was like king, always happening. And, and look how fast changes happen overnight. We were, even in my school, literally unlocking technology, having parents come pick up things that had been locked up for years and take it home with them. Standardized testing that's not happening everywhere anymore. So it just shows you these things didn't have to happen. Why were they so? And I think what's important, like you said, is that we understand the system will change because it has to change. And we have to keep that same energy. We said we're not going to take it anymore. But we've also gotten a glimpse at the possibility abilities. We've gotten a glimpse at some things happening, some people speaking on things that we didn't think was going to happen this fast, and it is happening. Um, and well, like Dr. Love said, we're not going back. Um, so I just want to keep the same energy. <laughs> that was a fantastic, fantastic interview. It was so amazing. I watched it like three times. <laughs> I've watched it twice already, and as you were talking, I was like, I'm probably going to watch it again, and we probably should clip some of the things in there because it really was an incredible. It, the interviewer did a fantastic job, and all three of them did, were, were were amazing as well. Um, I went to a session with uh, with with, with oh, Dr. Retina Love, and was sitting there like I literally started welling up, like just at the one incredibleness and the capacity of her brain to freedom dream and like like push past what is, but then connect it to like how far we are from the freedom dream and the home place and like the things that need to happen in order for, for people in this country to thrive. And, and it's so scary to be in the system and feel so stuck or so helpless sometimes. So it's like, it's completely understandable how we've gotten here and how and how the status quo remains because you, they make it, they meaning the powers that be, make it so that, it, <laughs> <laughs> so that it is so like bureaucratic. And there are like, like some, you, you'll say like, okay, we can just change this policy. Like, let's just do this thing. And then leadership is like, no, I have to file these 17 forms in order to do that. And you're like, oh, so so you just don't want us, you just want us to do this thing. Then. So we okay. got to fill out a form to affect change. Right. right. And so it, it's yeah. what we've been talking about this whole well, time, right? But mm -hmm. like the, the asking permission, the having to kind of like move. And I think the, the tagline ends up being like, what 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 are we gonna do? And like, how, when are we gonna get it together? And like, how can we keep that same energy? Like that's yeah. that like that. It, I think that's the tagline of this whole episode. Is how do we keep that same energy? How do we um, step into a system that doesn't operate like children's and their needs are inconvenient? Um, and 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 that's that's really like that's what I'm taking because it just 
oh, it's so good. And it's so, so, good. so possible and so possible, uh, particularly when impactful and awesome and incredible people like you are just like committed and dedicated to it. So this rounds us out, right? Like we got into the nitty gritty of the things. And, and so we always end the same way where we give you the opportunity to become the interviewer and ask us um, a question on the topic. Oh, awesome. Well, I would love to keep that same energy and, and ask you what your freedom dreams are. It's so, so, oh my goodness. Um, very similar to the question that was asked at the episode that came out today. Oh, really? Uh, but, it, but this one's a little bit more specific because I, I get to like talk about mine, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, like my freedom, my freedom dream is is one where teachers, one where parents, and students all love coming to school. Um, I think about like how many days I like dragged myself into the building, but then how many days like I was, I couldn't wait and was up at six o'clock, like putting my clothes together and like hype to get to school, whether it was for something social or it was for like, I knew I was about to ace that test or whatever the reasoning was, um, that excitement, the just like the ability for whom I consider a mentor, Professor Jama Adams at John Jay College, like his ability to take me to another place of what can exist through what has already been written. That is what I want for our community to be able to like experience that collectively because that's what we've done since like the inception of time. Okay, we can't get water to our plants Let's sit down and figure out what, we're, oh, we created an irrigation system. Like, wait, what, why does it become dark at night? I don't understand. We need to figure it out. Astronomy. Like those, that is what people who look like us did. Um, and I just want one more kids to grow up knowing that that's their, that that is the, the, the shoulders that they're standing on, not enslaved people and that even if it was just enslaved people that we were standing on they did not sit there don't let kanye west make you think that slavery was a choice they revolted they poisoned their masters they taught each other to read by candlelight they made a full system to get through like i think i don't think kids sometimes realize that like there was not a train from south carolina to canada Like it was not a real train, like human beings ducked and dodged through the night using the stars, no GPS. So regardless of like what society tried to push them into, you are standing on the shoulders of incredible greatness. And I think my freedom dream is for every black and brown and indigenous child to walk in that every day. Because think about even if they still are going to terrible schools, if if they had that in their heart every day, like then it's like miss um are you teaching me pythagorean theorem but did you know that he that he studied in africa Mm. that's the sort of change that happens in school led by students if they were walking in that power so that so that's my freedom dream to have kids walk in their power and communities love school that much girl they did not teach us that when they were taking me to the plantation You spoke to the you spoke to me, the little girl in me. But yes, that wow! Thank you for that. That was beautiful. Thank you. 
and I mean, I, and I certainly won't add too much because she, she, you know, she said it, you know, very, very well. Um, I guess the the only the the only difference is, I mean, so I think at the community level, and I think at the global level, I think about, you know, how how do, how do we make our communities better, and how does that support making the world better? So, you know, if the school is the community center, you know, sort of sort of like what what Eva just described, um, it, it becomes a place where we do come to work out everything. And, and the schools are networked. So, you know, so us here in New York are connected with kids in Miami and connected with kids in L.A. That There's just there's no reason why all of these uh, boxes or walls need to be, uh, you know, need to hold us into place to learn. Like, you know, I mean, the, the world is this expanded place. Let's let's uh, you know, let's open up. Um, but and no. And the only thing that I just want to add to that is that those boxes are only put on certain groups of people. And we have to be clear about that. Like, I, I, we can't move forward without being clear that, like, I went to a predominantly upper class, middle white, white, upper middle class school with a predominantly white population of students. And in our Spanish class, we had week to week Zoom meetings with students in Spain. Like, that, they can do it for them, but they can't do it for us. And there's a reason behind that. And like, that is what we have to be super intentional about like chipping away at. That like, they need to know how to lead and they need to know how to follow. That's what our schools are telling um, our kids. So those boxes, like we have to be really clear about how much smaller those boxes are for our kids and how much larger they create those boxes for, for upper middle-class white kids. Mm. You're right. Yeah. And you guys just really affirmed our new school design because we have a community hub as the focus of our school, but then a large travel component where students are, you know, there's a school without walls and they're traveling abroad to different countries and receiving their history, language, you know, literature all in the home country for the semester. So that really affirmed our new school design with the community, but then the ripple effect for global. We're ready, we're ready to compare notes whenever you are. Okay, perfect. <laughs> we have to start our, my friends are always texting me from work and they like tell me something that happened. And these are educators from all over the country and they go, and then we're like, we have to start our own. Like that's always the end of the conversation. It's like, mm-hmm, but we got to start our own. <laughs> Can I get nominated into the group chat? Cause this is, <laughs> no, every day I'm like, no, I need to leave. I need to leave today. I need to leave today. And this is what my school is going to look like. And this is what my school is going to sound like. And this is how the students that I'm currently serving are going to thrive in this space as it compares to where they are. Like all of the time, which sometimes gets me through my day and makes me really, really hype. And sometimes has me like, I'm quitting right now <laughs> because you're stuck between this continuum yeah. of do I stay in the system and claw my way to like even this sm tiny part of my freedom dream? Or do I go out and just like, leave it alone some right? people leave some people go. have to go out some people have to go out and do it so that the the current system is like wait what's happening uh, uh, oh they leaving oh the money's leaving with it uh, mm. okay okay, okay. And, and, you know, sometimes that's what they have to see in order to make the changes so let's go absolutely absolutely and so i mean we could do this all night like i i really believe that like we could stay on here for another five hours but I do want to round it out and I want you to give folks, um, leave folks with one, any last thing that you want to make sure that you say, and two, um, where people can find you and where they can connect with Teachers Play Black Teachers and how they can support. 
Um, yeah, I just want to say um, to any uh, teachers, educators, anyone that's out there listening, um, I truly believe, and it's one of my mantras, that we'll all find happiness and purpose and a sense of belonging among each other if we can match what is great about us intrinsically our intrinsic talents to what the world needs. We can make a list of everything wrong and what we need and what we wish, but we have to dig into ourselves and turn over what's inside of us and and really figure out how we can do something about it and who's the best person to handle this and who I can collaborate with so we can create what should exist. Um, So even if you're working in a system and you're not happy there, you're taking notes, you're building connections, you're doing what you have to do on the inside, maybe even small acts of resistance because you're on the path to starting your own. Or maybe you're just going to take that leap and you already have or you will soon. Um, But there is a place for all of us. I think we don't need to compare each other. I think social media kind of breeds comparison and in, in numbers and ideas and things like that. But there's enough success. There's enough ideas. There's enough opportunities and students to serve that we can all find a place, be successful um, and, you know, do it together. And there's enough room for that. If you're looking for me, I'm on Teachers Pay Teachers. Teachers Pay Black Teachers on Instagram. Um, Check out my link tree if you would like your business featured on our website. It will be launching within the next month or so. So stay tuned for details on that. I'm also on Twitter at Ashley Tuck. I'm only slightly active there. And stay tuned for my mindfulness um, live stream coming soon. Thank you. I love it. I love it. There's nothing left to say. Thank you so much. And uh, uh, thank you. More than a pleasure. Thank you. It was a pleasure. I really appreciate this.